Welcome to another episode of the Penny and Pops podcast under the MagicBasketballOnline.com name. He's Spencer Penny Strode. I'm Adam Pops Papa Giorgio. I didn't mispronounce any names. Let's go. So we got a pretty packed uh, show today. Uh, first off, uh, we'll, we'll start with the Orlando Magic's new fifth uh, fifth jersey that they unveiled this week. Uh, if you haven't seen it, it's it doesn't have sleeves for one. Um, two, they're, they're, they've gone with the secondary logo, which I'm a big fan of. Um, and three, though, it I mean it's it's a black jersey, but it's got like these weird light blue and yellow and white little pin uh pinstripe uh i guess panels underneath the uh the armpits and i think people are freaking out about how how it looks i actually love it um i it's Not always a surprise it's always fun funny that people just rip on jerseys all the time it doesn't matter what ta- what really jersey they whip out unless it involves cursive and unless it involves something just really really just odd, like a creamsicle-looking jersey. I don't know, but uh, I, I actually like this jersey. I feel like uh, I could wear it. I could play basketball, then I could go to like the beach or like go to a pool party with it. Uh, maybe go to like a barbecue. I f- it looks comfy as hell. Um, it's made out of sixty percent recycled ma- material, but it's it looks very breathable um, for Florida weather. I think it's perfect. What do you think of the thing? I. Uh- those who listen to the show regularly know that I uh, am not a fan of anything. I don't like much. But I got to tell you, actually, I kind of like this jersey. Uh, is it uh, on par with our original black pinstripe from 1989? No. Is it better than the pride jersey? To me, yes. I'm kind of surprised at the negative reception that it's gotten critically and with fans here. I kind of like it. It's different. We don't have anything like it. Yeah, no NBA team has it. Um, I mean, the way the styling of the of the jersey works, you know, it, obviously they've added some room for potential advertisement with how they moved the number from the center of the chest now to the top right portion of the chest. And right above that is the Adidas logo. And assuming when Nike takes over next year, um, they keep that jersey. Maybe they won't. Maybe they'll change it up. You'll see, like, the Nike symbol over that number maybe. But um, And it I, looked, yeah. I think the interesting thing, too, is uh, the shorts will really make the, the whole uniform. You know, is there are there going to be little blue and white panels, stripes on the shorts as well? Or is it going to be a solid kind of carbon color? I think that'll that'll make the uniform, and we'll have a better idea of how it looks as an ensemble. Yeah, I know that they're supposed to have um, stars. I think on the on the shorts, or I don't know if it's one star. I don't know if it's multiple stars. Yeah. I don't know if it's just the secondary logo again. I don't know. Um, but so that's cool. I mean, the the, the uh, uniforms that we had for the twentieth anniversary season with the star on the side of the shorts, those were cool shorts. Yeah, no, I, I yeah, we those were gorgeous if if it's anything like that we'll be fine it is weird seeing them go away from the pinstripes because the magic have a monopoly on pinstripes that's why i still love the the pride jerseys um you know it's i i like them a lot more than a lot of other people do um between the pride jersey and this new one i would actually probably take the new one right now um i'd have to see what it looks like though once it's actually worn on somebody um, sometimes jerseys look better on people than they do, you know, in just a photo. So we'll, we'll see how that works. Um, 
I'd be curious what the price tag is on it, just because it is 60% recycled. Um, that means it's 60% cheaper at the team shop, right? I, I would hope so. If it is, they're going to sell a lot of those, I feel like. Um, one suggestion for the panels, though. It's it's the light blue and the and the white striped, and so a lot of people were joking that you know it looked like the Honduran flag, it looked like the flag of Nicaragua, and obviously the more noticeable one is the flag of Argentina. Yeah. Um, and that kind of actually got me thinking. It'd be kind of cool if you could actually customize those, those panels to actually have like flags there. That would so, be cool. And so you could put like a U American flag. In my mind, I could put a Greek flag on there. Um, you could do it for like the players, so you'd have like the flag of the Congo for Abaka um, and and Biombo. You'd have you know Montenegro's flag for Vucevic. So I think that'd be actually kind of cool. Um, if I do buy one of those, I'm gonna actually try and do that with with maybe a Greek flag. We'll see. Um, you know, I didn't look. You and I aren't the most wealthiest people on this planet, so I've not bought a Pride jersey, but I do love them. If anyone wants to buy me one, they can. I'd, I'd be quite happy about that. Um, I don't know what my size would be with the Pride jersey or this new one, but uh, no, I, I think they look cool. And look, at the end of the day, the team's going to sell merchandise if the team's winning. I mean, yeah, I, I think I, they look cool. the The important thing to remember is that we're not wearing them. Uh, and generally speaking, you and I disagree on this. I think anyone over the age of eighteen should tread tread carefully when wearing a basketball jersey in public i mean i I agree look i i have flabby arms i'm not the most muscular guy in the world but i feel like i would i would would rock that and uh, yes i would definitely probably wear undershirt i go with the undershirt as well but uh look i I have i have a few jerseys you know i rarely whip them out but look if if you love jerseys they feel good you want to represent your team that's fine um you know i've i've you know, as the years have gone by and magic players, famous or not so famous, that have exited have have left. Right. I've kind of decided to avoid buying jerseys of players' names on it. Um, I might change my mind on this one. We'll see, or I might just customize it with my name on the back because I actually do don't that. have one of those. Yep. And people like that. I think this might be the opportunity to do that, but uh, we'll, we'll see. I generally stick to Orlando Magic team T-shirt. But I gotta tell you, I like this jersey. Yeah, it's 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 good. Um, so moving on, uh, we're gonna revisit the uh, the Orlando Magic Twitter accounts um, top top twenty five uh, Orlando Magic players of all time. Now this um, is voting. really ruffling my feathers at this point. It's it's getting goddamn ridiculous. Let's let's just put it this way. So I think we last stopped at twenty one. Um, I think uh, yeah, Vince Vince Carter was like mowing everybody down, and then it was Ryan Anderson that took over. Ryan Anderson beat Bo Outlaw. Uh, Bo Outlaw ended up being number 20. Ridiculous. Um, look, you and I, we love Rhino. Rhino once held the door open for me at Cheesecake Factory. Really nice guy. He once said, excuse me, because I was blocking his path to the bus in Charlotte. Yeah, he could have been a prick. Really cordial. Wasn't. Yeah, yeah. Very, very, very nice guy, yeah. but he, he hasn't done no. nearly enough. Bo Outlaw symbolizes what that 99-2000 Hard and Hustle team was. Hard and Hustle, longevity community ambassador yeah current community ambassador him and nick anderson and it's I, I, I mean the fans are wrong let's just say that the fans are wrong and it gets worse so ryan anderson did his run finally ended um because victor oladipo beat him um so 
I would I would say Oladipo. If if we were doing a top one hundred, I would put Oladipo over Ryan Anderson. Probably. Um, I think he has more memorable moments than Ryan Anderson. Yes, as a whole. Um, but neither of them belong in the top twenty five. No. Um, but Oladipo beat Rhino, and then he went up against Grant Hill. So Ryan Anderson landed at nineteen. Oladipo only. I guess I don't know. Maybe the Indiana Hoosiers fans were on vacation or not paying attention. So. Um, Grain Hill beat Oladipo, and Oladipo landed at 18. Uh, and then Grain Hill went up against J.J. Redick. And, um, you know, it's mm, it, it's tough to say as far as... Oh, sorry, Vince, Vince Carter went up, is going up against all these guys. So Vince Carter is mowing down all these guys, and Grain Hill lands at 17. I Look, he's a huge sign. He was a huge signing at the time in 2000. He only played pretty much one and a half good seasons of basketball for the Magic. One of them was at the very tail end. Um, I mean, there were years that he missed an entire season. I mean, He was never the player that we signed him to be, and through no fault of his own. You know, you see the scar that goes from forearm to fingertip. He risked his life to get back on the court. Uh, you're right. It was a huge signing. It made Orlando, you know, a free agent destination. Helped us to get Tracy McGrady. Yeah. But he also was basically the you know the albatross around the neck for his entire stay in Orlando you never knew if he was going to be healthy or if he was healthy you never knew how long until he went down again I mean look whenever he did play he put up good numbers there's no doubt about it I mean even not Detroit numbers no not what it was expected of him but I mean just with all that he he should not be top 25 yeah um but he lands at 17 uh, and then we're we're gonna get to JJ Redick at sixteen. Um, Mr. Redick, good, great guy, awesome podcaster. Yep. Um, and he, get, he had he a good him. he had a good run. Yeah, you know, I think it was six years, seven years, I believe. Seven, or no, seven so years, actually. Yeah, almost eight. Yeah, so seven, eight years. Yeah. run. Um, look, he he went through hell under Brian Hill to begin with. It got much better under Stan Van Gundy. And then it got even better after it, you know, at towards the very end when it looked like for a time Reddick was the best or maybe second best player on the team before he got traded to Milwaukee at the end. Yeah, he really turned into a great player, and you see that now in Los Angeles. But I do think fans romanticized the seven and a half years he was here. Yeah. You, you remember he started out, as you mentioned, in Brian Hill's doghouse. His second year was actually worse. I think he played less than his rookie year under, under Van Gundy. He came into the league, he couldn't guard Matt Carroll. No. You know? I mean, he was getting torched by guys like Matt Carroll yeah, those, of the Bobcats. Yeah, Charlotte Bobcat. He definitely back. came a long way. But when you look at his body of work, does the, you know, does the seven and a half years account for the fact that the first couple of years he was putting up very pedestrian numbers? I don't know if he's a top 20 guy. It's close. Yeah, I, I wouldn't put Reddick top 20. Um, you can make an argument about top 25 because, I mean, like he played a role in the 2009 finals run. I mean, I could distinctly remember a very Shut important Boston game yeah. where he, he, he won that game or he helped win that game for the Magic with his defense on Ray Allen. Yeah. So, um, you know, he even though he was behind guys like Courtney Lee and Mikhail Pietras. That's a valid point. Reddick still had a pretty good run. And, like, he, he's got some longevity into the argument. He's kind of in the, in the same role that Pat Garrity would be in, I guess. Um, and look, probably the biggest shot that's ever occurred in Amway Center might be that shot that that three-pointer Redick hit against the Pacers that series where Dwight, it was Dwight's last year, he was out, 
and Reddick hit a big three to send that game to overtime. Um, you know, I, that's the loudest I've ever heard Amway Center was after he hit that triple. Sad. Um, you know, which is sad for the arena and sad for the state of the team and the fan base, but hopefully that turns around. But, um, you know, I, he shouldn't be in the top 20, but I, I'd probably put him top 25. Yeah, um, okay. I'm, I'm less out. I mean, I, I'm not as outraged as I am for guys like Ryan Anderson or Victor Oladipo. Let's put it that way. That's or even Grand Hill. Yeah. So, um, you know, I, next coming in at number 15, Steve Francis, the franchise. Um, Again, uh, he started his magic career with, you know, consecutive game-winning shots. Like and three game-winning plays, really. One of them was like a defensive stop, yeah. I think, in New Orleans. I wonder, Couldn't I have gone say. much better after, you know, we traded away Tracy McGrady and we go, oh, we have a franchise player in return already, and then just off a cliff. Yeah, so that that team, that 0405 team, I love for the first 20 games, I was very, very thrilled with that team. Johnny Davis won Coach of the Month in November Ke- that year. Freaking Kelvin Cato showing Dwight Howard how to be a grown-ass man down right. in the paint. Um, you had Katino Mobley shooting 46% from three-point range. And then... The year got... You, bra- you blame Francisco Elson. You blame John Weisbrod for going bringing after in Doug, Doug Christie. Christie because I guess he favored hockey defense at that point. And then you blame Doug Christie for being married to Jackie Christie. Yes, that yeah. And then yeah, it's it, I a but lot my, of people my, like my, to hate on John Weisbrod, but that trade needed to happen with McGrady. The McGrady Ma- trade was a great haul. But breaking up Francis and Mobley, I mean, that was I, guess, bad. I guess you couldn't have seen it coming, but you really kind of could have you seen it. You should have, because, I mean, yeah. everybody knew those two were, were tighter than very few non-related players on, on, on teams throughout the NBA. I mean, it's those two were about as tight as could be, and once that happened, Francis pretty much began going off a cliff. And so. this is where I have a bone to pick with uh, Josh Cohen, how do you put Steve Francis that high on the list to begin with? No, uh, really, his his scoring average was was up there. Look, he 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 was in the upper teens as far as scoring average goes. I think there were months where he was averaging over twenty a game. But, but he basically played half a season with the team, and his career ended in turmoil. You kick a photographer and get traded for a broken down Penny Hardaway. I mean, it was it was a year and a half pretty much of just yeah, and then but, like a I year mean, of craziness a year of, and. Of, you never knew what the fuck was yeah. going to happen with him. Yeah, he 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 went off the deep end, and he's still going off the deep end as far as his life choices go. Right. So, um, yeah, he he's going down a very grim path as far as that goes, and it it wouldn't shock me if we find out something bad happens to him here in the near future. But um, hopefully not. Hopefully he turns it around. And uh, yeah, I just I'm not putting you in the top 25, Steve. Yeah. I'm sorry. So and then coming in at number 14, so Vince Carter's just running through all these people. Right. Coming in at number fourteen, Nikola Vucevic. He will he would be the the final current Magic player on this on this top twenty five list. Um, he I comes put, in at fourteen. Um, I'm look Vucevic is right now the third greatest Magic center of all time. He's behind Dwight and Shaq. That's without a doubt. I would put Vucevic head and shoulders above Vince Carter. And again, Vince Carter played one and a half seasons in Orlando. Yeah. 
Okay. He has maybe like three good games, one of them being that 48-point game against New Orleans. Right. But like he has maybe two other ones. He crapped out in the playoffs in 2010. Missed huge free throws against Boston and then walked over and slammed the pad on the bench like he thought he was going to make them. He never thought he was going to make them because he didn't have the mental makeup to make the free throws. No, and it's it's crazy because right now he's going up against Daryl Armstrong. So we're filming this on a, on a Saturday afternoon. And I think the the voting is not going well between him and Daryl Armstrong as far as Daryl's getting his ass kicked by Vince, I think. So and I happened to be the very first person. I was on Twitter when they released the new poll. I was the very first person to vote in the Daryl Armstrong versus Vince Carter poll. I voted for Daryl. So you had him at 100%. I had him at 100%. I check it again a minute later, and Vince Carter is ahead 60 to 40%. And... I, you know, I'm not a great follow on Twitter. I shouldn't say that because I want you to follow me. No, you're a but great I was, follower. I was compelled to tweet that it's getting ridiculous now. Yeah, I mean, people have to get their shit together. Yeah, so the poll, by the time you listen to this, the poll is going to be over. But, uh, you know, right now Vince Carter's up 68% to 32% over Daryl. And that's just ridiculous. Um, Daryl, we can argue, belongs probably in the top 10. In, in, the, in the outer parts of the top yeah. ten, like uh, most improved player awards, six for the man Magic, of the year at the same the in the same year, uh, very uh, uh, memorable dunk contest appearance. Yes, uh, memorable suit choices in 1995. Bright canary yellow suits, and a, an incredible story for the franchise that you pluck a guy from the CBA from the yarn factory. The guy was playing like in random country. Like he, the guy played in like Cyprus. No you one no one over, plays in Cyprus. He and comes he over. Literally becomes the heart and soul of the franchise for probably a, a 4 or 5 year period. Yeah, I mean it, and it's crazy that that we look in when he won most improved player and sixth man of the year. I think he was 30 years old at the time. Yeah. So like he did not get to the magic till he was about I think 25 and you see like small moments in 96 or 95 96 i think he played in each game in each season like four games or something and you just see him diving around on the floor and i mean a legend was begun at that time and then you know it, it one of my most memorable playoff series of all time is the 97 first round series against the miami heat brian hill got kicked out during the mutiny the magic Look, we're dealing with injuries galore. Nick Anderson wasn't himself. He was still dealing with the problems from the 95 finals. Dennis Scott was a shell of himself. Um, you know, Penny was was a beast. Penny was in his prime at that point, but he needed someone to help him. And Daryl Armstrong, putting him in at starting point guard and sliding Penny to shooting guard was maybe one of the greatest moves Richie Adubato made in his entire coaching career. And it went from there, you know, from 97, and then... He is the guy. He is the guy. You know him and Chucky Atkins leading the '99 2000 Harden Hustle team, and then he has a couple other. You know, a couple more decent to good years under with Tracy McGrady. You know, he had to keep having a big roles because Grant Hill was out, and the team just couldn't quite. You know, add better pieces. They're relying on big men like Sean Kemp and and Patrick Ewing and Pat Burke. Everything Pat you Burke. want to know about Daryl Armstrong is. Uh, not just you know production on the floor, but what he meant to the locker room and everything. You trade him away after the 2002-2003 season, and the next year the team wins 21 games without him. Yeah, no, and and it's you know uh, the the ending is sad with him, but I mean he he had a hell of a run, and yeah, he's he's at least you know he, he's he's going to slot in at number thirteen. You could argue he could be a little bit higher than that. I think so. you could. His his accomplishments for the franchise 
severely outpace what Vince Carter did again in less than a hundred games with the Magic. You know, we're not talking about Vince Carter dunking over you know Weiss of the in the Olympics or like Alonzo Mourning, right? Or, yeah, we're talking about Vince Carter hobbling around in 2010 and not getting us back to the finals, Vince mm-hmm. Carter. Yeah. So, um, yeah, that poll's just a disaster and. I mean, it's going to get, well, maybe it won't get a little bit better, I don't know, but um, as they get into the top 10, it's going to be really interesting to see which guy from the top 10 um, makes a, a high jump. Uh, we'll, we'll see, because it, the top four should be, should be, you know, Shaq, Dwight, uh, or Dwight, Shaq, you, I'll let you guys debate that, and then three and four should be interchanged between McGrady. Penny and McGrady. Yeah. So... If anyone breaks into that top four, they need to just shut down the damn pole. But they're not going to do it. They're committed, and it's not like they're going to like save this anywhere. This is going to end up in like the dark regions of the internet in the next two years. They're just trying to get to September in training camp when they actually have photos and videos to post again. Yeah, so anyway, uh, during this time, though, we're, we're going to go uh, transition over to Olympic coverage again. Uh, as you heard from my intro, I've not been pleased by um, some of the pronunciations of basketball players' names. It's tough. Um, there's there's some tough names up there. Um, but Mar- Marv Albert and Doug Collins, they, they, they needed a, a little bit of extra assistance from NBC's production folks, I feel like, and, and they haven't gotten it quite yet. So, um, But we're going to talk about Mario Hazonia in Croatia. They're still in Group B play. Um, you know, it's a, He's playing tonight, Saturday night, against Nigeria. Um, it's the fourth game of five games in Group B. Croatia's two and one right now. Um, you know, last time we talked, uh, you know, it was before uh, Croatia had beaten Spain. Um, that was a hell of a way to start the tournament, right there. Uh, Spain has fallen off a cliff. Um, you know, they the golden generation looks really washed up as far as Spain goes, and they're they're fighting just to get into the quarterfinals while Croatia. He's in a pretty good spot to finish either second or third in the group. You know, they beat Spain. Uh, Mario had only had like five points in that game. Um, very limited touches. But then against Argentina, he puts up 16 points. They lose the game, but he shot six and nine from the field, four of six on three-pointers. He deserved a lot more touches in crunch time. The only reason Croatia almost came back and won that game in crunch time is because Mario hit some big threes. Um, you know, that was a situation where... It, it, look, he's still the second youngest player on that Croatian national team. Um, it seems like his t- even his teammates are kind of just telling him to go in the corner for the most part, and they're letting guys like Dario Saric, uh, Boyan Bogdanovic, even um, Krunislav Simone, who uh, if Hazonia's not starting, it's Simone that's that's starting at shooting guard. Uh, but um, Hazonia got his first career, his first career Olympic start uh, against Brazil. They beat Brazil to go to 2-1. and one. Um, you know, that was a pretty big win against the host, considering we just saw them almost beat Argentina in what was one of the craziest double overtime games I think I'll ever see in my lifetime. Um, but, you know, he's he had six points in that Brazil game. He, again, he did not, he, he was two of three from the field. All of them are three-point attempts. You know, he was in late in crunch time, and unfortunately he had two turnovers, and he got pulled with about a minute and a half to go in that in that Brazil game. Um, I'm hoping he'll bounce back against Nigeria. Nigeria is looking for its first win at the Olympics. 
and Croatia should should have a pretty comfortable night. And depending on how the style of play goes, Hazonia could have a pretty big scoring night. So hopefully he'll get his minutes, and hopefully the coaching staff didn't like punish him for some stupid reason. Well, you're right on. He's certainly dealing with uh, some seniority issues, I guess we could say. But one of the things that I've been impressed with, obviously it's Mario Hazonia. He's never hurting for self-confidence when he's on the floor. He looks assertive and decisive. Uh, one of the things that kind of jumped out to me, and I you know, could be right or wrong, but just kind of eyeball test. To me, I think he looks uh, a little a little stronger. You know, maybe he put on some more muscle. He looks a little bit uh, more up to the task of kind of bouncing off contact and finishing. And if that's the case, and he's a little more uh, athletically put together, obviously he has the you know acceleration and the and the jumping ability. But if he's put on a little bit of muscle. Uh, I think that could bode well for the next season. Yeah, it it looks like he put on a ton of muscle as soon as the Magic season ended, and then he it looked like he uh, apparently he lost a lot of weight too um, once training camp began in Croatia. That's kind of where that he yeah. lost eight kilograms or seventeen pounds thing came from with the Croatian coaching staff. In that he he's he's got more muscle on him, but he probably weighs the same, which that's very good news. Yeah, you know I can remember him fronting Luis Scola with like no problem and. If he's able to do that, he's going to find a lot of minutes under Frank Vogel. His defense looks pretty good. He held... Thank you, Scott Skiles. <laughs> yeah, maybe that might work out. That might not work out. We'll see. But he held you know, Leandro Barbosa to like six points when he was going up against them, even though Barbosa had like 16 in the game. The majority of those points didn't come against Hazonia. And he's looked um, good off the ball, too. I mean, his, his awareness is pretty pretty on point for what we'll need him to do in the scheme for next year yeah i mean he, he needs the ball in his hands and it unfortunately it hasn't happened yet but it you know it they still got some time here they play nigeria tonight they play uh lithuania to finish group b play on monday um you know right right now it, it will see how you know how they handle those final two games but croatia should should finish if not third maybe even second in um in group play and you know right now they're lined up to go up against australia and australia is playing a lot better than i thought they would even though they got all those that nba talent or whatnot um i didn't think they'd be able to put it together but they almost beat team usa serbia almost beat team usa so right now i feel like the tournament tournament's wide open but um, if Croatia finishes third in the group, assuming Team USA you know doesn't lose any games in Group A, um, I think Croatia will avoid Team USA in the bracket in in the in the knockout stage play. And you know if they can somehow upset Australia in the quarterfinals, you're right in it for a medal now. So um, you know hopefully Mario has has a good fi- finish to his group stage play and maybe he'll get more minutes and responsibility as uh, as time goes on. But I mean he's getting. 20 25 minutes per game so that that's pretty good in a 40 minute type situation so anyway uh before i move on to the uh release of the magic uh 2016 2017 regular season schedule i do need to point out that you have a gripe uh, that the uh, international olympic committee uh has you talk about old old uh mindsets or old uh just cranky type mindsets or point of views uh, the IOC does not like it when uh, when people tweet uh, videos of uh, of Olympic games. It looks like um, you know, I posted a Vine 
during the uh, the Brazil game where he took a deep three and Fran Fraschilla let out like a whoop like you would hear from like Luigi or Super Mario and Mario Kart. So, um, but I posted the Vine. I think I put hashtag Olympics and two days later my tweet my tweet gets removed. You can still find the Vine video. They can't remove the Vine video, but um, you know they removed the tweet and it was under like a a, a mass type uh, deletion of tweet of tweets like. The site Paris Hilton is was in it, and I didn't realize that thing was still around. <laughs> um, but uh, there was probably like a couple dozen tweets that they had removed due to like copyright issues. And I'm very thankful that the NBA um, likes to promote uh, their game a lot more than the IOC seems to want to promote their events. And that you know, even Adam Silver says that Twitter and Vine and and Snapchat or whatnot, those develop, those grow interest in the game and they seem to embrace it a lot more than the IOC does so yeah. anyway more progressive now you're on the watch list though you got to be careful yeah I, I don't know if I can push it any harder or maybe I just if I don't put like one of the 24 like banned hashtags from the uh, the IOC's put out or whatnot maybe I'll be okay so we'll see but uh anyway we're going to talk about the Orlando Magic 2016-2017 schedule finally it came out and uh the Magic have the fewest nationally televised games in the NBA they have four, three on NBA TV and one on, uh, I believe it's ESPN, right. March 3rd against the Miami Heat. For um, now, until they decide to take that one off and switch it with another Golden State Warrior contest. And hopefully they don't do that because um, I think it's bullshit that the Magic have fewer nationally televised games than, say, Brook- the Brooklyn Nets or Phoenix Suns. Um, if, if, if you can't, like, we have to be able to play the disrespect card now at this point because... This team got a lot better. Um, who knows how many more than 35 wins they'll get this season, but this team's better than than, than at least five or ten other teams below them. That's for damn sure. Yeah. And the fact that the rest of the nation, you know, the people that, that, that handle the schedule, don't seem to want to embrace what the Magic have done, it's very frustrating, and I just need this team to prove everybody wrong. I, I, feel the, I used to feel the same way. And at this point in time, uh, I kind of feel like we're lucky enough that we live in Orlando. We have the cable television package. Uh, I like David Steele. Oh, yeah. I like Jeff Turner. I don't like Jeff Turner as much as I like Matty Gukas. No, I like I mean, Jeff Turner. Ma- Matty Gukas yeah. is a treasure, though. Right. The man the man was yeah. was fantastic when he called those finals games for NBC he during the Magic's run. So. so we're lucky to have uh, a good home broadcasting team. And I don't mind watching them 82 times, you know. When we're when we're watching on television and not at the game, and I think just like when you know the last time we were relevant, two thousand nine, two thousand ten, you've got to put a season in the books at a high level, and then the next year is when you get the national recognition. Yeah, uh, I just feel bad for though for those Magic fans or those people that want to watch the Magic that don't have the money to fork over a couple hundred bucks for right. NBA League Pass that that rely on those type of games to actually see the team you know it's either yeah. that or very bad online streams for the most part so i feel bad for them i mean you've seen you know you and i have seen how many listeners we have from different countries around the world so um you know it's it sucks for them that those games aren't aren't nationally televised um but anyway yeah we'll, we'll, we'll break down the schedule a little bit the magic begin their season hosting the miami heat uh, like I had written about that Ira Winderman had had had, snoop, had snooped out a little bit a few like weeks before, um, but they play the Miami Heat Wednesday, uh, October 26th at Amway Center. 
it's the first time that the two Sunshine State, uh, I still call it a rivalry, the, the two rivals will face each other to open a season since 1993. It's the first time that they're meeting in Orlando since 1992. By the way, Magic won those two games yeah, in 93 and 92. Um, I'm actually pretty excited. It might be a way to kind of jumpstart what, you know, what hasn't been a very active rivalry in recent years. And, look, these two teams haven't even faced each other in the playoffs since 1997. So anytime you can have something that can bring an extra buzz like a Heat Magic game to open the season, I think that's pretty good. Plus, I'm going to be curious to see how many actual bandwagon Miami Heat fans show up this year. That's true. Um, They don't have Dwayne Wade anymore. It was already dwindling even without uh, LeBron James there anymore. And so... You know, now they got to root for Hassan Whiteside and Goran Dragic Tyler and Johnson. Tyler Johnson yeah. and Justice Winslow. So uh, we'll see how how strong that fan base is. I'm excited that we open the year at home. Uh, I think it gives us an opportunity to get out. You know, get off on the right foot. Uh, when's the last time we opened at home? I don't think, I think it was last year. Last I think year. Yeah, it was. It was. It was. We were at the Wizards game. We were. We were having fun in our courtside That's seats true. after winning the Magic Scavenger Hunt. Um, oh, you're very right about that. Are we going to actually? participate in that if they do that again this year well, i think I we have to defend our title maybe yeah, yeah we'll, we'll see about that but uh but i tweeted anyway uh i think i you and i both agree the october 26 game uh is yeah. a win it needs to be yeah. and i think it should be and, and i think uh, i tweeted that uh <clears throat> it's actually a pretty favorable opening stretch for the magic uh you go from home against Miami, and then you're on the road for three games, Detroit, Cleveland, and Philadelphia. Yeah, that's a rough back-to-back with Detroit, Cleveland. Um, the Cleveland game, I'm just going to assume, is going to be a loss. I'm but, writing off Detroit um, and Cleveland because I'm assuming that that will be Detroit's home opener. I'm not sure if that's set in stone. I, I don't know about that either, but, I mean, Stan Van Gundy, Tobias Harris, right. just give him that game. Yeah. I, don't, I don't care. So I think we open the season one and two, but you bounce back against Philadelphia, and then you come home for two – you get a, a wishy-washy Chicago team. Then you get Minnesota and Utah at home. I think we're looking, if everything breaks right, could be 7-2 and two after the first nine yeah, games. I, I'll take 6-3. and three. Um, I, I, I'll, I'll be more than fine with 6-3. and three. Um, You know, that Philadelphia game, November 1st, that's going to be, assuming he stays healthy, that's going to be Darius Sarge's first game against the Magic. Um, you know, if, if you forget, the Magic traded Dario Saric on draft night back in 2014, uh, along with uh, a first-round pick to get uh, Alfred Payton. And it was basically we were giving Philadelphia back their pick anyway. But um, and I think it was like a second round or two. But um, yeah, that that's going to be interesting to see one Saric against Hazonia, his countryman, uh, you know, Croatian matchup there. But then, you know, there's pressure kind of on Alfred Payton to kind of. Re- reestablish that confidence that that made the front office go get him to begin with. So, right. um, you know, I don't know what other what other games you want to pull up here to begin with. Um, actually, uh, Spencer and I want to kind of go over potential road trips that we want to take because you know you've gone on a, you've been to a few games uh, road games recently, but I haven't been uh, to a Magic road game since February 2012 when we were in New Orleans. So um, I'm overdue. And then I think the the only other one, big one before that was Game Four of the 2010 playoffs in Atlanta, where we swept the Hawks. That was quite glorious. So, so if you're talking road trip this season as a Magic fan and you want to go check out the team in another building, there's a lot of attractive uh, weekend options in uh, Atlanta, 
in Charlotte, in Washington, D.C. I think Dallas is a weekend game on the road. Yes, I and think. And then yeah. also, if you're talking, uh, you know, road trip not in a car, I think Los Angeles is a possibility, too. Yeah. Um, first off, I, I do commend also the NBA for making it easier on, on all teams as far as the Magic only have one session where they have four games in five nights. Yep. They only have they have fifteen back to backs, which I think the NBA average is sixteen point three, according to Josh Robbins of the Orlando Sentinel. Um, so the really schedule, favorable schedule for all teams. It gets rough in definitely January. January is where they play the most road games. I think they play eleven of like eighteen or something on the road, um, and even the home games are are pretty tough. Like they get Golden State on on January twenty second. Um, you know that, that's challenging. You mentioned the the West Coast uh, trip potential. Um, I'm liking that uh, at Lakers Sunday, January 8th, and then at the Clippers three days later, uh, Wednesday the uh, 11th of January. I think if you want to if you want to head there and kind of spend almost the you know f- you know five days or something around that area, kind of maybe drive around. I don't know if you want to go all the way up to like San Fran or San Jose or whatnot, but um, just kind of explore the state and. And enjoy that. Um, I'm also intrigued by a couple of other matchups in in March. One of them is when the Magic go to Golden State on Thursday, March 16th. They then have a back to back at Phoenix on the 17th. I've never been to Arizona. That'd be kind of cool to check out. Um, you know, we spent some we spent a few days in San Francisco. I wanted to check out a little San Jose too, but uh, didn't didn't have time during our our trip that a few years ago. Um, there's a couple other good road trip games. Like uh, on the 31st of March, they're at Boston. I've never been to Boston. I've also never been to Chicago. Those are two cities I definitely need to go to. I definitely want to do the Charlotte one, um, which I believe is uh, March 10th on a Friday. Only problem is the Magic hosts the Cavs the night after it's that quick on the around. 11th. So, But I'd like to go to Charlotte. I'm told there's some good um, ski snowboard action that you can get involved in uh you know North around Carolina. that time so yeah. that'd be kind of cool um i mean look the magic i think have a pretty good schedule to start the year and they also have a pretty good schedule to end the year uh, pretty much once they get past you know the middle of march uh that's where the bulk of eastern conference team you know team games show up i mean other than victor oladipo finally returning in an oklahoma city jersey on march 29th um, it's a lot of East games. It's a lot of very winnable East games. Like in April, they play the Brooklyn Nets twice. Who knows what type of state of, of play, you know, Indiana and Chicago will be in. Um, P- Chicago is supposed to be really good with Rondo and Wade or whatnot, but we'll see how injuries and stuff hold up. Um, you know, I- I'm going to wait till close to the regular season to actually do – you know my game by game predictions, yeah. where I probably pick the match to win like sixty games or something. It's hard to it's hard to write down a loss next to the team for you know regardless of the situation. I think one of the things though that's disappointing they do have a little home for the holidays stretch like they have to, they tend to get every year in December. But their longest home stand this year is only four games. They've been lucky to have some five and six game home stands uh, in the last couple of years, and then their longest road trip you talk about. 
January is going to be kind of a hellish month with that six-game West Coast road trip in January, and that's the longest stretch of time they'll be away from Amway Center. Yeah, they they actually play a, a decent amount of road games in December, and usually though those are you know in the beginning, that's where the West Coast road well, the West Coast road trip usually lies. But that's not the case. That really there's there's a lot of e- the you know East Coast games for that. Um, you know, you talk about home for the holidays. They don't play on any big holiday except for. I think they play on Martin Luther King Jr. Day, and then they play on New Year's Day at Indiana on January 1st, and then they have a back-to-back the next day in New York against the Knicks. So, Tough. Um, you know, the Magic were 19-13 and 13 at the end of last December last year, and then they just fell off a cliff in January and February. Um, January's going to challenge the hell out of them, and we'll see how they how they handle it. You know, they play, they play I think, towards the, the end of 2016 actually gets pretty – Interesting because they play the Lakers on December 23rd, and then they host the the, the Grizzlies on the 26th, and then they host the, the Hornets on the 28th. I think they need to they need to win all three of those somehow. They need to find a way just to really kind of kind of end 2016 on a high note as they go into 2017. Nice for the players and their families though to get basically a week straight in Orlando around that time. Professional athletes, specifically NBA players, you never know where you're going to be. They get, uh, you know, Christmas Day at home, then get to roll in the next day and hopefully pick up a second win as part of that three-game homestand. And you mentioned the longest homestand of the season is only four games. You know, our longest you know, road stand, I think, is six. I think it's a west. It's all on. Uh, it's all yeah. West Coast games um, in January. But the longest homestand though is around All-Star Weekend, which that could come in handy. Um, the the competition's actually pretty tough though because. You know they come off you know road games February 11th in Dallas and then February 13th in Miami and then on the 15th the last you know 15th of February the last game before the All Star break they host the Spurs so who who knows what type of state of mind the Spurs will be maybe they're going to arrest a bunch of people probably not though because they you know now teams get a full week off right um, and then they come back and they have to host. You know the Portland Trail Blazers on the 23rd, and then Dwight Howard's Atlanta Hawks on the 25th. So, um, you know, there's, and then we'll, we'll see how that goes. Um, you know, the homestand, that four-game homestand, is after the All-Star break. If if you include the All-Star break, it's technically five games at home. So, February, the end of February needs to kind of be a reprieve to where they they need to bear down because March gets a little bit challenging, especially in the middle of the month when they're when they're away from home a lot but after the middle of march to the end of april i think they they have a very favorable shot to to rack up victories and and sneak into the playoffs at worst so we'll see um i don't know do you have like an actual game that you're looking forward to here to here early on do you have like a favorite like a big matchup i mean because the games against cleveland and golden state and oklahoma city here at home anyway don't come till later on in the year so you know, I hate to be trite, but I, I would I would circle right now the first game of the season. You know, there's going to be a ton of energy, a lot of new players. It's the intra-state rivalry. Yeah. And it's been a while since we've started a season 1-0, and you know, and I think that would go a long way towards, uh, you know, 
building the excitement for the month of November and moving forward in you know throughout the season. Yeah, it'd be nice to win that game without Bismack Biombo too. Yeah. So, um yeah, I I'm intrigued by that first Washington Wizards game. You know, it's going to be cuz you and I we talk about how we don't know what the hell the Wizards are doing. Um you know, they they signed Jason Smith and Andrew Nicholson. Who knows if they're going to actually punish the Magic or not. I mean, they they host Washington on the 5th of November. Um, that's kind of an opportunity to if they beat Cleve, if they beat Miami, yeah. The second uh, you know uh, Southeast Division game comes against the Wizards that November fifth. If they can establish themselves as a Southeast power, they're gonna they're gonna get the ball rolling because one of the biggest issues the Magic have had in recent years is they can't win within the division. Right. I, it's, they've struggled within the division, and it'd be nice to just kind of take that because you and I talked about how it's very possible <laughs> they can win the division. And it's very possible that they could even compete for maybe like a fourth seed. So we'll see. Um, that's going to wrap it up for the podcast. We, we, flew, we, we flew by that real fast. And you can follow us on Twitter, at uh, MagicMBO is, is the site's uh, story-only feed. Spencer, what's your Twitter handle? At Spencer Strode, and let's talk about the top 25 countdown going on. Yeah, that's uh, that, that's already got me really heated, and it might get worse as we progress. But you can find me at Papa Giorgio MBO. Uh, we appreciate you guys listening to the podcast. Uh, any subscriptions, reviews that uh, you can provide us, great ratings would be awesome. It helps the podcast. It kind of helps us get better, and it it it's very much appreciated. And you can listen to us on SoundCloud, iTunes, Google Play Music, Stitcher, and a whole bunch of other platforms. And until next time, we'll see you again. Thank you.